Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic. When I can, I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's good to hear me, isn't it? Oh, oh no need to respond. That was rhetorical. Oh my God, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Oh my God, guys. Did you hear? Did you hear? Oh my God, did you hear? Oh my God, did you hear? What's up, everybody? My name is Jake Workman, and this is Oh My Pod, You Guys, a musical theater and pop culture podcast. You guys, this week I had the immense pleasure of going to the Las Culturistas Culture Awards in Lincoln Center, obviously starring Bowen Yang and Matt Rogers. If you guys don't listen, Matt Rogers and Bowen Yang have an incredible podcast called Las Culturistas, where they feature amazing guests from the comedy elite and beyond and they're just so ridiculously funny but they sort of set the tone of the podcast by asking all of their guests what culture made you first believe in culture and it's just so funny and they come up with these hilarious lists of nominations for cultural things of the year and it was so so fun they had incredible guests like darcy carden ego modem uh sarah sherman muna was there like it was just it was so stacked with amazing amazing people constantine Rizzuli, marla mandel and carrie st louis all performed a number from titanic because they won a, a culture award it was so fun. I cannot even tell you. You guys, they do a free event every year at Lincoln Center, and I can't recommend going enough. It's so fun. And if you don't listen already, you must check out their podcast, Los Culturistas. And with that, ladies and thems, we must dive directly into this week's Broadway World Recap, brought to you by my amazing partners at broadwayworld.com. Y'all, first, we have got to talk about Broadway Bears. If you guys don't know, Broadway Bears is an annual event that benefits Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. And it is an incredible night of dancing, of celebrating this incredible organization and this cause, and showing a little skin, if you will. It is chock full of Broadway vets. Bearing it all, shaking them titties, shaking them booties, girl. This shit was so fun. It was beautiful to watch all of the dancing, all the aerialists. It's all incredible. And also they feature bodies of every shape and size, 
which is super, super important and, and just thrilling. And everyone was hot, you guys. Hot. We saw nipple pasties. We saw G-strings. It was fire. And they raised an incredible $1,887,014 for Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS. Just beyond. It's so incredible. And I'm so, so grateful that these people have devoted such time and energy to, um, to benefit such an amazing cause and to shake a little ass. I'm about it. It was so beautiful. I hope to do it next year. I can't wait. Next, you guys, it was just announced that Josh Gad and Andrew Rannells are reuniting on Broadway after 12 years in Gutenberg, the musical on Broadway. They were last seen together starring as Elder Price and Elder Cunningham in the original Broadway production of The Book of Mormon. And now they are coming back to Broadway together to do this hilarious comedy, which had an off-Broadway run in 2016. They said that more details are to be announced soon, but that previews will start this September and they will officially open in October of this year. I think Josh Gad and Andrew Reynolds are both incredible comedians and performers, so I cannot wait to see what they're gonna pull out for this production. Next, I am sad to report that it was just announced that Life of Pi is going to close on Broadway this summer in August. You guys, if you've listened to this podcast for multiple episodes, you know how just like dumb obsessed I am with this show. I think it's absolutely stunning. I'm so glad that they had such an incredible run, um, but I could see where it would be a very, very hard show to keep running because it would just be so expensive. So congrats to everyone involved. I hope to go see it again before it closes. Mwah. And on the flip side of that, it was announced that Prima Facey, starring Jodie Comer, has actually recouped their investment on Broadway just ahead of their closing, which was previously announced. Which kind of just goes to show when you have, you know, such a small pared down production like Prima Facey, starring only one person, there is far less expense to have to worry about. So recouping your investment is much, much easier and can be done a lot quicker. So congrats to Jodie Comer and everyone involved in Prima Facey for recouping and congrats to Jodie for a Tony win. Oh my God, next you guys, we must talk about Ruthie Ann Miles and Anna Zavelson, I hope that's how you pronounce her last name, starring in the New York City Center Encore's production of The Light in the Piazza. You guys, uh, I am obsessed with this musical and I cannot wait to see it at City Center. Ruthie Ann Miles obviously just nominated for a Tony Award for Sweeney Todd and newcomer Anna Zavelson starring as Clara in The Light in the Piazza. Oh my God, I just, all of the promo material that they have released for this show is unbelievable. Even Queen Kelly O'Hara herself took to her social media to share that she had gotten to see the invited dress rehearsal of the show and she could not have been more excited and more loving to share her praise for Ruthie and Anna in this production. So congrats to everyone involved. I cannot wait to see it. And you guys, if you haven't yet, you have to go to broadwayworld.com and check out the promo videos that they've released because they are mwah, divine. And lastly, you guys, it was just announced that Renee Fleming, Billy Crystal, Dionne Warwick, Queen Latifah, and Barry Gibb will receive Kennedy Center honors for lifetime achievement you guys, I love, love, love 
the Kennedy Center honors. I think it's so exciting. Every year I look forward to hearing who's going to be honored and seeing all the performances. It's just, it's so magical and amazing. And so I think that this particular group of honorees is so fierce. Obviously, Renee Fleming, duh. Are you kidding me? With Queen Latifah in the building. Y'all, I cannot wait. And this has been the Broadway World Recap. Oh my pod, you guys. I am so excited to welcome my next guest to the show. She is a fabulous Broadway diva. She is a mother and she is currently starring in her very own original one woman show off Broadway entitled Walking with Bubbles. Please welcome Miss Jessica Handy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so good. <laughs> good. Glad to hear it. Where are you calling from? Uh, my apartment in Harlem. My oh, son come on, Harlem. In, yeah, he might. My son might be coming in any minute. So if there's a if there's a disturbance in the forest, it's him. <laughs> oh my God! Not not a disturbance. It's a cameo, darling. Yes. <laughs> How long have you been in Harlem? Um. Well. We've been, this September will be 10 years in New York City for the two of us. Um, this apartment will be eight years in September. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so you've got, you know the way around Harlem. You've got it yeah. <laughs> on lock. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So then where, yeah. where was home for you um, before New York City? Um, Cincinnati, Ohio. Beckett and I moved here from Cincinnati when he was in, the, about to start the second grade. And he's wow. about to, gr not graduate, but he's about to be done with his junior year in high school. Oh, that's insane. Insane. You well, have I... no idea. Next year <laughs> at this time, I will not be well. I will not right. be well at all. <laughs> well, I, I got to know you very briefly a, a while ago, a few years ago, when we um, did the same cabaret show, The Lineup, with mm -hmm. Susie Mosier um, yes. at Birdland. And that's when I met you, you know, you introduced... Beckett as this little child and so it's so wild to see that he's like this full-blown like functioning human but um tell me about your your history in Cincinnati I know you went to school at CCM had you always yes, been I'm in the Midwest from, yeah I'm from Cincinnati Ohio oh fantastic okay um, yeah so I grew up um not when I was a little little kid but like in high school like seeing shows at CCM and so um, going to college there uh, was like a natural step. Um, and I was really grateful that I went to college there. And um, I just love that I'm from Cincinnati. I love the Midwest, but I consider myself a New Yorker, if that makes sense. Like I Absolutely. love being in New York, but I love going home to Ohio. Totally. I'm from Minnesota. So I, oh, I so feel that exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Anytime there's that need to just like touch grass <laughs> and get out of here. I'm like, Mom, 100%. I'm coming yeah. home. <laughs> yes. Like, let me go cut the grass. Let me just like, you know, yes. grill some burgers and just yeah. Live an actual life. <laughs> yeah. So what was your um, your training and experience like at CCM? Did you um, major in musical theater or what was what was your I focus? Did. I majored in musical theater. It was so hard. It was yeah. so, so hard. It was 
but it was exactly what I needed. Um, you know, everyone's on their own path, right? So like some people can just move to New York out of high school. Um, I'm glad that I did not want to do that because I needed to kind of grow up mm-hmm. and I really needed to have really focused training to have a foundation to be able to sustain the peaks and valleys of show business in New York City. You know what I mean? So um, going to CCM was very difficult. I was a terrible student. Terrible. (laughs) Um, But um, I did something right because, like, the training stuck. And so I felt like I came to New York with, like, a really good, um, you know, bag of tricks to be able to get me to into the rooms I needed to get into and book the jobs here and there that I needed to book. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I retrospectively, you know, acknowledge that while I had these like big starry eyed dreams of going to school in New York city, I'm very grateful that I ended up going to school outside of the city because I think it was an excellent stepping stone before I was just like dropped into this, fucking crazy (laughs) universe that is New York City and and showbiz um but so then how how was your experience leaving the Midwest graduating from CCM and coming to New York were you pretty much immediately put into um your Broadway debut with with Cats (laughs) yeah um it was you know it was hard it was um there was no internet you know there was so I there was no like online auditions. Mm-hmm. Um, I luckily had an agent uh, who got me into all the great rooms. Uh, my first agent in New York was the late great Jim Wilhelm, who just recently passed. Yes. Um, and he uh, sort of took me under his wing when I first came in, came to New York and got me into a lot of great rooms. Um, but it was weird because like I was like we just said I'm from the Midwest so I didn't know how a big city worked you know uh-huh. um getting an apartment was like almost soul crushing like to yeah. to even get an apartment getting back then getting a bank account was next to impossible because <laughs> oh you had to have an address you had to have a job. You had to have all these things just to get a freaking bank account. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just one learning curve after the next um, to just be a New Yorker or, or be able to survive in the city, you know? Right. But I stuck it out. And I was with a great group of friends who were all determined to make it make this our like home base and so we all supported each other and we all had my first job was at tgi fridays um work worked so <laughs> hard i think i've worked i've worked in so many bars and restaurants in this city um but my first job was at tgi fridays and we had to wear all these buttons on our our uniform <laughs> and it was it was scrappy and it was just glorious because we were just trying to make it happen hell yeah hitting the ground running and working your ass off just to just to have your second job which is auditioning yes 
Yes. So yep. tell me, what was it like to to book your first Broadway show? You, Jessica, have the distinction of being the one person who was in the original production of Cats on Broadway mm-hmm. before it closed, and then mm-hmm. you went on to reopen the show in the Broadway revival years later. What is that like? What was what was it like to have your first show on Broadway be such an iconic piece of? New York theater. It was, I could have never dreamed that. Um, I first did the national tour Mm. and when I was done with tour, I was back in New York and uh, auditioning again. And my agent called and said, uh, they're bringing you to Broadway. Uh, and it was for someone's like sick leave. And I was, and I was like, what? (laughs) So, um, I was the standby for Grizabella and, you know, just not on stage. Yep. So I was like not on Broadway. I mean, I was on Broadway, but I hadn't gone on stage yet. And mm-hmm. um, my stage manager came to me one day and he was like, you're going on next week. Uh, so-and-so is taking a personal day or something. It was a, like a planned thing. Mm-hmm. And so I made my Broadway debut singing memory on a Broadway stage. And it was just magical it was so magical incredible and i also have to tell you i was so nervous going into that company because at that time it was the longest running broadway show yeah and you know i was in my mid-20s and i was like oh these people are going to be like so mean to me they're going to be so jaded they're they're not they probably don't even like the show anymore (laughs) i couldn't have been more incorrect it was the most wow. loving, supportive company. Everyone there loved their job, worked hard at their job. And when I went on for the first time, um, it was just, it was amazing. It was brilliant. Wow. And then um, when Cats was being revived on Broadway, I had just moved back to the city with my son Beckett. Um, and I just had this feeling like, what if I get to come back to Broadway in the show that I made my debut in? And then it happened, and like I feel like I could cry right now because yeah. that is the most full circle moment on the planet because I had left the city for a decade, mm-hmm. and I came back, and then I booked Cats Again, and it was as wonderful. You know, some people don't like Cats. I love Cats. Oh, I love, I love it. Cats. Oh, good. I'm glad you do. Yes. People love to hate it. And I love those people too. But um, I love cats. I think there's so much to mine out of that story and the poetry of um, T.S. Eliot. There's just so much there. It's very confusing and very ethereal at the same time. But also, Mm -hmm. if you just like lean into it, there's there's a lot of depth and nuance that, that of storytelling that can be told. Totally. And I can't help but but assume that it was just that much more special because you were able to show Beckett, your son, what you do. And, and in the show that, you know, you sort of like started with, that's just incredible. Yes, it absolutely was. I felt so proud of myself that he was able to share that, you know. Yeah. 
That's yeah. amazing. Well, I, of course, will be asking you about Beckett and, and your new show in a little bit. But I first <laughs> also have to ask you about um, being in the show Amore on Broadway. Because oh. I, myself, and a few of my closest friends were in a production of Amore at our college and so then when the first time to meet you came around, we were like, oh my God. I mean, we were like babies in school. And so we were like, this woman was in the original company of Amor. Can oh you tell God. me what That's was that so like? Cool. Yeah. Um, Amor was, came out of nowhere. It's one of those shows that like, um, you know, you read on Playbill or Broadway World of like the shows coming down the pike this season or whatever. Mm-hmm. Amor was one of those shows that all of a sudden happened. Um, I had one audition for it. It was on the, oh my God, I'm blanking on the theater. It was on uh, the, where Chicago's playing. Is that the ambassador? ambassador? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ambassador. Was that on the ambassador stage? So back in the day, you used to audition for Broadway shows on stage. Um, Insanity. Yeah, so I went to the theater. I had no idea what this show was. No idea. Um, I sang a song. I wish I remember what I sang. And James Lapine was in the audience. And I was flipping out. Oh, my God. Flipping out. So I sing a song, and they say, can you go learn this song and come back in an hour? And I was like, sure. And then I like left the theater and I was like, what the hell am I going to do now? I have to learn a song? What? So I called a friend of mine who lived in Hell's Kitchen and uh, he was a musician, piano mm-hmm. player. And I went to his apartment and I paid him 50 bucks and he taught me the song. Then I went back to the theater and I booked the job. Um, and so I was the standby for, um, three characters mm-hmm. and I never went on because we were on for such a short time, but, um, I also was offered another Broadway show that same day Oh and my God! because it was a new show. And so, um, but we were only open for, I don't know what, two weeks. I don't even mm-hmm. know, but it counts, you know, it counts. Oh my God, of um, course. But it was a wild, it was a wild, it was me and Christian Borel, standbys. Mm-hmm. So we sat at a table every day and um, watched rehearsals. Christian got to go on once. Um, he stood by for Malcolm Getz, who was fabulous. Um, was he the painter? And it was just a, he, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, Marcel, what was his name? Mar, Marcel. What was the character's name? Marcel? Mar- uh, I can't even remember. I, we like basically referred to them all just as their... I remember. Da, 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 Yes! <laughs> yes! He sets me free. At, uh, From oh, God, two I can't to three. Night, night, perfect time of day. Or whatever. Oh, God, yes. I think I still have the score somewhere. Um... But it was really, it was this tiny little gem of a show. And um, Michelle Legrand was very uh, much a part of the rehearsal process. And um, I'm embarrassed to say that I really didn't know what an 
icon he was until I started the show. And, and, and um, I feel so grateful that I, I got to work with him before he died. Mm -hmm. um, and it was bittersweet because, you know, looking back on it as more of a seasoned um, performer, that show probably should have started off-Broadway Mm. and sort of like gained a sort of momentum or an audience and then probably would have had a really successful transfer to Broadway. Sure. But, um, I mean, I don't want to, I, I mean, I, maybe it was a bit of, a, of an overreach, um, that first production. There mm -hmm. were just so many things that just like didn't fall into place. We had a lot of technical issues. You know, there's some like, magic involved yeah and it never really landed um but i just think that show is should be done more it's such a beautiful show oh my gosh the score and is beautiful so much humor in it mm -hmm. and just the, and so much joy and life i yeah i i was going to ask you because you know you have sort of run the gamut of like I've done these iconic shows. I've done these small shows. So, like, could you talk about, was there ever a point for you where you were like, how did I go from being in this huge mega hit, Cats, to being in a show that I thought was going to go somewhere and we closed in two weeks? Like, what do you, what would you tell someone who, you know, is going through that or, like, who is being cast in a show that is not going to have a long, a long life on Broadway? Well, I would say, you know, you have to make those hard decisions. And, you know, a lot of times um, they're just, there's no right or wrong decision. Um, it's just which way do you want to go at that time? You know, when I was offered Amor, I was offered Aida the same day. Mm -hmm. And I went with Amor because it was a new show and it was a dream of mine to be in an original cast on Broadway. Yeah. And I thought... All original, I, I, I just had this thing like, well, you know, it's going to last forever. It didn't last forever. Mm -hmm. I, there was nothing in me that was like, oh, this could be a flop. Mm -hmm. um, and I was probably a little naive there. I don't know. It, it was so long ago. I was just, and it happened, like I said, it happened so fast and out of nowhere that um, it, it, you get caught up. You have to make these decisions. But the thing that I would say to anyone that's um, faced with something like this, it's like, what are the stories you want to tell? Mm. You know, for me, it's all about the story. And um, there are great stories that never get told because they aren't given the chance. Mm -hmm. But sometimes like you get to tell this great story and maybe it's just for a blip, but like it will, it's part of the theater history now. You know? Totally. I mean, it's and literally it, like Broadway lore is just like surrounding that show. And yeah, I mean, that's yeah. I'm, I'm sure the reason that I was given the opportunity to do that show was because it had a life on Broadway. And so that's how people knew about it. And that's how people were able to get the score distributed so that they could rent yeah. it to, to, you know, theater companies and, and schools. I'm so fascinated by, you know, that term that we hear fairly often in the biz of like, it's a flop because commercially, I guess you could argue that there were, ha there have been many quote unquote flops, you know, that, that either had high hopes and ran for one day or two weeks or two months. And, you know, it's sort of like, 
across the board you can you can like call something a flop but like you said it has its own history obviously for you and for all of the people involved you know you have yeah. you made those friendships and those connections and you worked on a piece of art together so that's never going to go away but it's also like why should we discredit all of this work and this artistry that went into something even though it only commercially ran for two weeks or something you know like it's still just as valid as any other piece of art that has crossed the boards. Absolutely. And like, really, what is considered a flop? Like, if it doesn't recoup, is that a flop? Well, then most shows are flops. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 70% of them. And there are a lot of shows that recoup that are garbage. Yep. Um, so... <laughs> So I, I agree with you. Um, when, I, when I came to New York, uh, my senior class at CCM, we based our showcase. We were the first ever showcase in New York, and we based our showcase on the book called Not Since Carrie. And that book ah, yes. was a book of, quote, flops. But we did our showcase of, like, basically, like, can you believe this show is considered a flop? Listen to this music. Baker's Wife, listen to this music, Carrie, yes. listen to this music, Is There Life After High School, Baby, like all, you know, Rags, like all these yes. great scores that are considered flops that we took from that book that are just rich and full of like these amazing characters and these stories. I mean, that's why I'm in this business because... I love to tell a story and I feel like my gift is that I am really good with connecting to an audience and I know how to tell a story and whether it be just one song or a character in a whole sh a whole show like there's that's like why we're actors I think is to like create these um, moments on stage for the viewer to experience these stories that take them out of their own lives or make them question things in their own lives um, that change them. Absolutely. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. So. You mentioned um, being offered Aida on the same day yeah. as Amor, which is absolute insanity. Um, but you did eventually go on to play Omneris in Aida on Broadway. Could you tell I me how, how that pathway opened up for you post Amor and maybe <laughs> post saying, sorry, I'm going to do something else? Yeah, it was wild. I did the um, workshops of Aida. Mm -hmm. um, and so then when I um, was offered Aida, I, I 
turned it down. And the thing is, is that my final callback for Aida was, um, let's say a month, a month before my audition for Amore. Like we were waiting, waiting, waiting. Yeah. And at that time, I don't know how it goes now with Disney, but at that time, your final callback was at the Disney corporate offices for what they would call the suits. Right. There are a couple creatives, but you had to, you had to, they had to sign off on you. Mm -hmm. um, and so they were scheduling something way in advance before they needed the replacement. So the offer wasn't coming in. So I probably had the job, but they gave me the offer kind of too late. So I went with Amore, Amore Clothes. And then I was married at the time, and um, we decided to leave New York City, and we went to St. Thomas. We moved to St. Thomas. And Jake, like three weeks after I got to St. Thomas, my agent called me and said, the, the positions opened up again. They want you to um, come back and audition. And I was like, I was already offered the part way back during a war. And right. they're like, I know it's a formality. Just come back and do the audition. You're probably going to get it. And I said, okay, if they fly me back, I'll come in. And he was like, they're not going to do that. And I said, well, it's Disney. They can do that. Right. <laughs> and I, I was so, I don't know what got into me. But I was adamant. I was like, I've already been offered this part. I'm not going to spend my money and come fly an audition. Right. So he came back to me and he said, they're not going to fly you in. Just get on a plane and come. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to because I just made this big move and I'm not going to fly back. If they would fly me in, that's one thing. And right. He said, okay. So I let the audition go. And then a week later, he called me and he said, they had the auditions and you got the part. <gasps> Work, <Yeah>. mama. <laughs> that would never happen again. <laughs> oh my God. But good for you. It goes to show you were like, you know what? If it's right for me, it's going to be right for me. I'm not going to spend my own money to get on a plane from St. Thomas for the chance at a job that I already booked. And you exactly. still booked it, bitch. <laughs> I can't believe that happened. It's still like, when I tell that story, I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? I would never tell someone to do that right now. Right. <laughs> but I got the part. They flew me back. They gave me a housing allowance. It was wonderful. Wow. And so how long yeah. were you with the show then? Uh, so then I think it was... Uh, just under a year with Aida because we got our closing notice. Yeah. Um, and I, again, was the standby um, mm -hmm. to the brilliant and lovely Lisa Brescia. Yeah. Um, she's, I just, I respect her so much and I think she is so talented. Um, and I got to go on several times mm -hmm. and um, it was really fun. I love that show. So much. I don't. I, I think it's a fantastic show. I doubt a white girl would ever play Amneris again. Um, but I'm really grateful I got to play her mm -hmm. because she's a super fun character. Her arc is so complex. 
She goes from knowing nothing and not caring about anything to being this wise, badass, grown woman mm-hmm. who narrates the story and, and evolves. And has a reason to tell the story. She tells the story and how important it is. Um, And she finds forgiveness. And which, you know, I I just, I think that's a great character. I love the music. I just love that show so much. And I'm so grateful I I got to play that part. And talk about how special of a score. I mean, to to work on something, uh, you obviously mentioned Disney, but also Elton John. Like these, that was a huge huge shift in the sort of landscape of Broadway and what it meant to produce a show um, for for Broadway, you know, through a, a producer as big as Disney. That's amazing. Did you ever cross paths with, with Elton John or any of those creatives, like you said? Oh, yes. Oh, my God! Oh, yes. Our first... Okay, so let's see. How did this go? We did two readings and then two workshops, I think. Um, it was very involved developmental process. Mm-hmm. Um, the first reading he came, or no, the first workshop production he came to, they had everyone seated and we were all waiting. And then he came in, took his seat. And Jake, about 15 minutes in after one of our first big numbers, he stood up and walked out. Oh, my God. (laughs) And could you hear a pin drop? A pin could drop. And no one would have known. We all sat there, and then we just kept going. Uh, And so we were like, is he mad? Does he hate it? Apparently, I can't remember so long ago. He was... He was, He didn't throw a tantrum or anything. He just left. He wasn't mm-hmm. happy with something. And then the next time we did it, he came. He stayed the whole time, and he was lovely. So wow. no one, I'm sure some, someone in the cast back then knows exactly what the deal was. But, um, yeah, it was crazy. Crazy. <laughs> that is so insane. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I must say I am so so glad that you were able to come back to New York with Ah, such clarity and such perspective and then not only you know rejoin um this revival of cats that you were so incredible in but you have created a show based on your own life and story and Mm -hmm. I had the the pleasure of getting to see it the other night and Jess, it, I can't even tell you how moving and inspiring the show is and, and your performance is. I mean, vocals alone. Like, yeah. you you are one of the most incredible vocalists. Oh, my gosh. There that is. is not true, but thank you. No, no, it is. I can attest. But your, your storytelling and your candor, the way that you have broken yourself open to tell your own story is just absolutely incredible for the listeners the show is called walking with bubbles and it is Mm -hmm. currently running off broadway at the amt theater and it is absolutely beautiful jess will you tell me what even was the inspiration to start creating this show for you 
Great question. Um, I started uh, because I thought it would be fun to write like a group of essays of what it's like to be a single mom in New York City. Mm -hmm. So I wrote a bunch of essays and I thought they were really sassy and really cool. And then one day after a couple of months, I read them down and I was like, this woman is a total bitch. <laughs> Who is this woman? <laughs> it was me. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe I'm not a writer. Maybe this is not what I should do. Nice exercise. You don't, don't write, don't write this. This is like not you. But then this little voice inside of me was like, what if you told the truth? What if you told the truth of what's going on in your life right now, of, of what it's like to be a single mom with the struggles you are facing? Mm -hmm. And I ignored that for a long time. But it was persistent, and uh, finally one day I woke up and I was like, okay, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to tell my story. So I started writing, and I didn't write a, I didn't write a show. I wrote a memoir. I wrote mm. a 273-page manuscript, um, and it took me a long time. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and then I tried to get a literary agent, and... I just got rejection after rejection after rejection, like hundreds, hundreds. And I thought, okay, well, okay, I, maybe I won't get this book published. So I'm going to do a cabaret. I'm going to do a cabaret at 54 Below, and I'm going to do all the songs that inspired me while I wrote this manuscript. And uh, maybe I'll tell some stories, and maybe I'll get some like traction there. Who knows? So mm -hmm. I sat down, Jake, and I started to figure out what songs I would use and what I would pull. And I realized, like a light bulb went off on my head, you have to write a show. And then I realized, like, I have 273 pages to mine from, from my own life. So where's the theatrical arc? I can't tell everything. Mm -hmm. um, I have to create an experience for the viewer that is believable and entertaining and has something to say. So I started there and um, I wrote a play. I wrote a multi-character play mm. and I gave it to a few friends, a few close friends, and every single one of them said, get rid of that character. It's a crutch. You wrote a one-person show and you don't know it. And I was like, no, I didn't. I can't do a one-person show. Everyone said, yes, you can. If there's anyone that can do this, you can do it. So then I just sort of leaned into that. And then I reached out to Brianna, Brianna Katari Barnes, who wrote the music and the lyrics. Yes. And she luckily, thank you, God, read my <laughs> script and was like, I have to write the music to this. I have to. And so we've been partners ever since. Amazing. And the, yeah. the music... And lyrics are so perfectly intertwined with the storytelling. It's it's as if you were able to write, you know, this music and lyrics for yourself. It so perfectly fits and meshes into your story and the way that you tell it. I'm just I can't even describe how special it was to watch you. I mean, it's uh, one thing to do a one person show that is, you know, all levity, all comedy, you know, moments of drama or, or, you know, 
candor here and there, but otherwise it's a comedy. This is not that. This is, we are telling real truths about heavy, heavy hitting topics and themes. And it's, it's real. It's your story. Yeah. How do you, how do you navigate, um, like emotionally or do you separate yourself emotionally from telling this story every single night, you know, re-exposing yourself to what one could consider trauma. Um, how do yep. you, how do you do that every day? You know, I get this question pretty much after every single show from someone in the lobby. Um, it is trauma. It was trauma. Um, and I did experience it, but enough time has passed and enough healing in my life has, ha has passed that, um, I'm not traumatized by the trauma anymore, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I am able, because I, I'll never forget it. it. It is a part of who I am, but it is not who I am. Mm -hmm. So I can go and I can touch on it and I can remember the danger and how frightening it was and um, how emotional it was and how I made wrong decisions left and right and how I made hard decisions and the emotion that that brought, but I am not reliving it. I'm able to tell the story and allow the audience to experience it instead yeah. of um, going through it again. It's not damaging to me anymore. Mm -hmm. I can totally walk away. And I mean, I'm exhausted after the show just because it's a marathon, but I'm not emotionally bruised from it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also, there was never a, a moment in the show where it felt like um, trauma dumping or, or, you know, like, yeah. let me just like show my, my heaviest stuff just for the sake of it. It, it all, you know, is part of your story. And, and I do want to share for the listeners who, who have not been able to see the show yet. It, there is, um, a lot of focus on, um, being unhoused and how your, your ex-husband, your ex-partner, mm -hmm. um, who is also the father of Beckett, your, your son, um, experienced homelessness in New York city while yeah. you were not experiencing homelessness. And, um, right. a part of the show that I was really, really taken by, um, it sort of took my breath away was, um, when you describe how you approached Beckett when you were creating this show, um, and you were very honest and you asked hard questions and you said, are you okay with this? And he came back and yeah. said, the only thing that I care about is that I don't want you to make yourself the victim in this story and himself. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, we're so much more than this story. Yeah. This story is a part of who we are, but, uh, we, Beckett and I have a lot to live for and a lot to give to the world and a lot to experience. And this, as traumatic and dangerous and horrible as it was, this doesn't get to break us. Mm -hmm. You know, this is only going to inform the people who we're growing into. And um, he was, it was very important to me every step of the way to make sure he was okay with every story because a lot of them he didn't remember because he was so young sure 
you know, and also like I had to be mindful when I was uh, crafting the show from my memoir, um, not to put the heaviest of heavy moments or all of the heaviest moments in the show um, because then it would feel like trauma dumping. Yeah. Or it would feel unbelievable Mm -hmm. because it would be like this all couldn't have happened. Um, (laughs) And it did. And there was so much more. But also the other important thing, just like life, when you're telling one of your friends like a horrible, embarrassing story or a horrible story, like life comes in and there are funny moments of and there course. are moments of levity. And it was important for me to bring that to the show too, to give breath to this, to the story and a moment of breath to the audience. A hundred percent. Just be like, huh, that's hilarious. No, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, truly. <laughs> I, and I have to ask, has has Beckett come to the show? Oh, yes. Oh, oh fantastic. My Could you share oh, what, he, what he notes. has thought about it? Oh, he <laughs> Come on, note session. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, opening night. I didn't even know I did this. Uh, the line is a sizable slice of pizza for a seven-year-old. And apparently I said a sensible slice. And he opening night party he told me mama you said sensible not sizable um but yes he has been to he's been to every incarnation um he's now like a little over seen it too much where he needs like i need a break i've seen it too much sure um because also it is a little difficult for him you know I'm this sure. is his story yeah um and it's it's hard for him to see a lot of it, um, mm-hmm. but he's doing he's doing great. I'm I'm proud to be his mom. Oh my goodness! Opening no, our first preview, our first preview, Jake. He sat in the front row, center. I come on stage and I was like, okay, wow, this is how we're gonna do this show. Whew. My son is in the front row, and after the show, he came into my dressing room and he said, Mom. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but uh, I have no notes. Oh, my God. <laughs> and did you just melt into a puddle? I did. Oh, my God. That's incredible. And I, I, I just have to say, I, I so admire, obviously, you being able to share your story um, so so openly and publicly like this, but I... I have talked about it many a time on this podcast, but I am very close with my mother. And so to hear you tell your story about, you know, how much you have sacrificed and how much love you have for your son is, it's just so beautiful and important. And I, I just love it. I'm so in awe of you. And, um, you. you mentioned, you know, different iterations of this show. I'd love to hear from you. Um, maybe if you want to share what, what it's like to get a show up and running. I mean, you, you went from this manuscript to then pairing with a, a writer, a composer and lyricist to create this, but you know, there are many aspiring writers and creators who, who have yet to see a project of theirs get off the ground in the way that yours has. Would you talk about that process? Uh, yes. I, I thank you for asking that question. The first thing I will say is what I say to 
uh, a lot of people is you cannot be ashamed to hustle. Mm. You know, you cannot be ashamed to show up in uh, people's emails that you don't know, but you think might be able to help you. Yep. And you have to do that. It's not a Cinderella story for 99.9% of people in show business. Mm -hmm. 0.1% it is. But um, a lot of those people have parents who are already in the business or something like that anyway. Yep. Um, but it's a lot of hard work. So I um, had a lot of ups and downs. I was writing this play and I actually um, was working with another set of composers for a while and during the pandemic and we were working together and um, it fell apart. It fell apart bad. Mm. And I will also say to anyone out there that is going to partner with people to spend the money and get your legal, your in order from day one. Sure. Um, and sure. that's where it fell apart for us. And I honestly thought that I was never going to have a show now mm. uh, because I was working really hard with a team and it just exploded. But what I found is that that didn't have to be the end of my story. Just keep going, right? So um, I kept writing and I kept going. And then I reached out to Brianna Katari Barnes and we started working together. We got our legal in order immediately. And so there's never ever a question of anything with us. And so we went to CCM and we did a workshop with our director, Richard Hess, he was teaching there at the time, and we worked on the show a lot there in preparation for a New York City reading that uh, we self-produced. We paid for everything. We had no producers. Mm -hmm. um, but I started emailing, cold emailing people in this industry three months before that reading, like constantly telling them about the show and inviting them to the reading. And I had a spreadsheet. 95% of the people did not come. 10% of the people that said they were going to come did not come. It doesn't matter who comes. You just need one person there that's yep. going to help you. Two weeks before our reading at Open Jar, my agents dropped me. Um, Whew. Yeah. That was a big blow, and uh, they didn't come to the reading. They dropped me. They just, you know, they didn't. I wasn't bringing them money. I don't right. begrudge them for right. wanting to make a living, right? But I also am a woman of a certain age, and there's not a lot of parts. And, you know, I, I, they just didn't believe in me anymore, and they didn't, they didn't know, nor did they care to know about my show. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, two weeks before my reading, I don't have an agent. I don't know who's coming to the reading. It was the scariest thing, but I kept going. I kept going because I kept telling myself, I didn't come this far to come this far. I did not come this far to come this far. That's right. Um, so I came to the reading and we, our lead, who are now our lead producers, the amazing Tom Dangora and Michael Dangora came 
they were like, we were just coming because we know you're a good singer. We had no <laughs> idea how good this was. <laughs> so they took Brianna out and I out to dinner. And uh, Brianna and I uh, sat down. And the first thing they said to us was, your show is amazing. It's amazing. It's ready to go. You didn't get good enough people at your reading. Why not? And we were like, we tried. Yeah. <laughs> and they said, well, we're just, we're just here because we just want to tell you how great your show is. We can't produce it. We have too much. Our dance card is full. Ugh. So I was like, that's fine. I said, but can we just use this dinner and like, can you just tell us what to do next? Give us some tips. And Jake, by the end of that dinner, they were like, we're producing it. We're just going to produce your show. And wow. then the rest, and we weren't even trying. We we're just, cause we were like, this isn't going to happen. But, but I'm telling you, if you just be yourself and keep working and the work hasn't stopped, you know, right now I am like constantly, I pretended I was a professional courier and went to ABC and NBC and dropped off letters to Hoda Kotb, <laughs> Jenna Bush, Whoopi Goldberg, and Joy Behar. And I printed out fake labels and of like courier services to invite them to the show. I am hustling my Hell off. yes. And it pays off because you were literally nominated for a Drama Desk Award for outstanding solo performance for this show. Like it's, it's come yes. so far. It's so incredible. I'm just... I'm so in awe of you. Yesterday, we won the Off-Broadway Alliance Award. Yes! Oh, my God! Congratulations! So we're really, we're thrilled. We're thrilled. Wow. Well, let that be a testament to to hard fucking work. It just, it's gonna be a struggle sometimes, but look where it's gotten you. It's worth it. It's so worth it. And you're, I mean... I could just go on and on because the show is so beautiful and I can't wait to come see it again. But like the musicians are fabulous. The, the monologues that you have so beautifully memorized and acted are just so rich. And I, I was just blown away. I couldn't believe that you were doing it by yourself that entire time. I mean, Brianna's music, she's written a score of dreams. I mean, one only dreams about someone writing you, songs that are I mean also it's the hardest score I've ever sang but it is like I I just can't believe I get to sing it she's so good and the world is about to know how good she is and I'm just very excited for her I'm very excited yes truly I'm sure from her perspective she was thinking it's a rarity that I get to have (laughs) such beautiful rich subject material and someone who can actually sing it the house (laughs) down It's fun. So that, congratulations on just an incredible, Thank you. an incredible show. Thank you. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, switching gears a little bit. Um, okay. Before I let you go, I do have a series of musical theater rapid fire personal oh, questions God. that I must ask all of my guests because okay. I think it's hilarious. It's not trivia. It's it's about okay. you. So there are no okay. wrong answers except for when there are. Um. Okay. Oh, this is a big one for you, Miss Sondheim or Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh my God. <laughs> Touch me. I'm going to have to say Sondheim. Work. I've been in Andrew Lloyd Webber shows, but I haven't been in a Sondheim show on Broadway or off Broadway. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to do that. Yes. Um, sweatpants or jeans? Oh my God. Sweatpants. I have them on right now. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite musical? Yes. Um, next to normal. Oh, wait. I mean, I don't know. How could I even forget you got to play Diana in the regional premiere of Next to Normal? It's a, I mean, it's a Pulitzer winner, number one. That (laughs) score is crazy. It's amazing. The story, yeah. Incredible. That show actually helped me when I was going through a lot of the chaos in my own life. It helped me it helped me sort of be in those shoes actually. Wow. That's amazing. So then on the opposite, do you have a least favorite musical? Oh, this is going to be a very unpopular opinion. (laughs) Spill it, spill it, spill it. The light in the piazza. Ah! Adam Gettle found shaking. I know. I just, I just, I, (laughs) It just, I probably didn't see it. I didn't see it live. I saw the capture. I appreciate all the performances, but I just, I don't think that the hottest guy in the town is going to fall for the girl that got kicked in the head who (laughs) is gorgeous. (laughs) And it just doesn't make sense to me. Where is the dramaturgy? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, are you? Oh, would you ever like to do a Broadway play? Yes. Dream role. What the Constitution means to me. Oh my God! Absolutely, you would be incredible. Yeah. That would be amazing. Um, are you a morning person or a night owl? I used to be a night owl, but then I had a child, and he has to go to school every day. <laughs> and so I am a forced morning person, mm-hmm. but. When he leaves for school, I love how quiet the mornings are. And you can, like, chill for an hour or two, and then you still have the whole day. Absolutely. What is the craziest thing a director has ever asked you to do? Oh, wow. The craziest thing a director has ever asked me to do. I, I don't know. 
I mean, I've had people in audition rooms ask me to do crazy things or ask me crazy things. I guess when I was doing a production of Trailer Park the Musical, uh, Great American Trailer Park Musical, mm-hmm. um, the director had, I played Jean or Jeannie, the director had the guy that was, I forget the character name, he was like the bad guy. Uh, he had to like take his finger and like draw a circle around my nipple through my shirt. I don't know why. <laughs> That's pretty crazy, right? It sure is. <laughs> pretty crazy. Um, golden age or contemporary? Contemporary. Yes, contemporary. Um, what is the favorite role that you've ever played? I well. Um, it's this tiny little show called Walking with Bubbles, and the character is Jessica. Ever heard of it? <laughs> it's this little known. <laughs> and I just want to say for all the world to hear, I cannot wait for other women to play this role. I, yes! I'm so proud of myself that I wrote a role for a woman over the age of 40 that is complex and funny, and she's a badass. And she sings her face off. I can't wait to watch other women play this. I can't wait. Yes. I'm so oh my god. I that how how incre- I didn't even think of that. But how amazing that will be for you to to get to. I mean, maybe you'd even get to direct a, a production of this or something. I mean, my goodness, that'd be maybe. amazing. Um, what is the hardest show you've ever done? Dare I say it is one walking with bubbles? Yes. It is 100% this show. It's the hardest show I've ever done because I don't get a break. I don't leave stage. You know, um, I've seen other one-person shows where the person disappears off stage real fast. Right. Um, I don't do that. There's Mm -hmm. not even a blackout. No. I I drink water in full. I wrote the water drinking into the script. Yes. Um, Yeah, I... It's, it's really hard. Um, other than that, like, because, you know, I'm, I would say, like, uh, Amneris was very hard to play um, in the best way. But she had s- s- ungodly fast um, costume changes that were terrifying, that never got easier. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was crazy hard. Um, but also very, very, very rewarding. Um, yeah. Gorge. I think, like, playing roles, it, it's like learning a new song. It's hard at the beginning, but then once it gets in your body, it's it's in your muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of, yeah. Gorgeous. <laughs> And I, my last question for you, which I ask all of my guests, is what is one thing that you would tell younger Jessica? I would tell her that um, it's a marathon, not a race, and that you're going to have success, but it's not going to be when you want to have it, which is in your 20s and your 30s when all of the great, you think the great roles are to hang in there and stay true to who you are and take care of yourself because when you get a little older, 
that's when the magic really starts popping for you. Wow. I love that. Well, Jessica, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the podcast. You are such a dream and so Thanks. wonderful to talk to. And I'm just, I'm so proud of the work that you've put into the show and I'm, I'm so in awe of you. Thank Could you. you tell the listeners where they can find you on socials? Yes, I'm very easy. On Twitter, Instagram, I'm at Jess Hendy. On Facebook, because I'm old, I'm still on Facebook. I'm Jessica Hendy. <laughs> and JessicaHendy.com. Yes, hashtag Hendy Nation. Nation, baby. <laughs> and Thank please you. come to the show. Yes. I'd love to see all of you. And Jake, if you want to come back anytime, just let me know. Oh my God, absolutely. I will be back. And for all of the listeners, you guys got to get your booty to the AMT theater and see Walking with Bubbles. It's stunning. Thank you, Thank Jessica. You. Thank you. <laughs> you guys, that's it for another episode of Oh My Pod, you guys. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you listen to the pod. And you can follow the show on Instagram at Oh My Pod, you guys. Also, feel free to shoot me an email at ompug at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Talk soon. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.